the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, but I do need to confess something. That music is a liar. There is no Brian Fromm in the studio today. He's off gallivanting somewhere. I might not even be using the word gallivanting correctly, but the important thing is he's not here. But you can still find us a couple places on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. Also, wherever it is you get your podcast. But guys, I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to have in the flesh, in the studio, not just a great dude, not just a great friend, just a great person overall, my friend Austin Massey. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> that was good. You already you already sold me. Whatever you're going to talk about, I'm, I'm in. One of the things that we've been doing, by the way, when we have guests in the show, rather than like me just read like a bio of your stats or background, I just ask the guest... How would you introduce yourself to the person listening that has no idea who you are? Austin Massey, how do you introduce who you are and what you do? Hi, I am Austin Massey, as Ian said. I like uh, long walks on the beach. <laughs> That's true. Just romantic candlelight dinners <laughs> more more often than not. You know, How did I know every, this is the direction it was going to go? Yep. I just knew this. Yep. Even if it's just me by myself, it's a romantic <laughs> candlelight dinner just who, by myself. Who's lighting the candles then? You're lighting the candles for yourself? <laughs> Set the mood, yeah. <laughs> Yep. I just imagine your wife listening right now just nodding like, it's true. It's true. He'll go for walks by himself. <laughs> okay. So one of the things that I love about you is, uh, and for anyone that doesn't know, which is probably everybody, uh, for a long time, Austin and I used to meet weekly at a local Panera when I was pastoring a church in Bartlett. And you were one of those guys that I remember early on being like, I just want this dude in my life. And we never, I don't think we've ever like worked together in any professional context. There was just something about you that I thought, oh, this guy just has wisdom and creativity and courage that I just, I want more of that in my life. So hmm. very, very few people that I can say that about that. Are like for me, I was like, okay, I need a consistent breakfast with this guy. Hmm. And we talk about life and ministry and you're a musician and a songwriter and a worship pastor and now an entrepreneur and all sorts of other things. Why, why don't you talk to us a little bit uh, about your most recent venture? Yeah, absolutely. So I, about a year ago, I started a, a mobile uh, coffee and espresso bar, uh, primarily focusing on events and kind of elevating the guest experience, um, you know, wherever, uh, any kind of meeting party, um, you know, wedding, anything that needs good coffee. So yeah. just kind of saw a need there, um, have a, a extensive background in food service and, and culinary arts and, uh, coffee experience, worked in coffee for, um, 12 years ago, got my first job at Starbucks. No kidding. Um, yep. Wow. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, love coffee, love people and wanted to, 
um, you know, kind of elevate that, that guest experience, as I said, and, uh, everyone needs good coffee wherever they are. Yeah. So. Amen. <laughs> All right. So we'll mention it a bunch of times this hour, but what is the name of it and how can people find out more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's called Viator Coffee Cart. Uh, Ooh, fancy. uh, yeah. So you can go to viatorcoffeecart.com, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff too. Um, Viator is actually the Latin word for traveler, explorer, mm. sojourner, all of those really fancy words um, <laughs> that that kind of imply uh, going somewhere and doing something. And so, how do you spell you know, that? Just for anyone listening that's uh, like they're struggling to find a pen right now, how, yeah. how do you actually spell <laughs> It's uh, V-I-A-T-O-R. Okay. Yeah. So you have this experience, you have all kinds of experiences actually, but I, I didn't know all of this culinary experience actually until very recently. How do you end up in a place where you're launching a business like this? I don't know a lot of people, like a lot of people, you know, when they say, oh, I'm starting, I'm opening a thrift store. You're like, yeah, I know about 40 people who have opened a thrift store. I don't know hardly anybody who's ventured into the specific market that you are. How, how did you land on that? How did you get there? Is there a backstory there? And, and what's it been like since? Sure. I mean... I'm sure we've had, you know, similar conversations like this, you know, back in the day at Panera, but, um, (laughs) you know, I, I, as a young believer, I was, you know, reading the gospels and the writings of Paul and, and all these amazing, uh, Christian fathers of, you know, just talking about, you know, Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve, um, and laying your life down for other people. And just, um, you know, the example of humility that we see in Jesus and, wanting that to be a part of my everyday life. So from a very young age, always remember um, just looking for opportunities to serve others and humble myself. And um, yeah, I mean, um, what is it? God gives grace to the humble, but mm. um, you know, opposes the proud. So that, I, that was the last thing that I ever wanted to really to deal with is pride, mm. you know, mm. so always looking for opportunities to just humble myself and serve others and love on other people in different ways. Um, then I got my first uh, restaurant job at 15 at a pizza place. Um, and then was that, that wasn't around here though, was it? No, was no, it? I'm, I'm originally from Alabama. Right. Um, right. so a little place called mellow mushroom pizza. It's the that was best. the name of the pizza yeah. place. Yep. That's it's actually incredible. a chain like kind of in the Southeast. Okay. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing pizza and stuff like that. It was my first restaurant job, uh, fell in love with, you know, people and serving and cooking and stuff like that. Um, continue that on to, uh, Starbucks at 19. Uh, you know, again, just, they, they did an amazing job of kind of, uh, like, how do I explain it? You know, like, being more focused on the guest experience hmm, right. and serving people well. Um, and you know, at the same time providing amazing coffee, right. Um, what I thought was amazing coffee at the time. Or 15. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, yeah, I was like, I think this is what I want to do. I want to like open my own like little coffee shop, restaurant kind of thing. Oh, you had the thought that late, that early in your... So at 19, wow. when I got that first job at, at Starbucks, that's when it kind of, the wheels started turning like, oh, I could do this. This is amazing. So yeah, um, yeah fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, eventually moving up here, that's, you know, that was part of the reason that I moved here in the first place was, you know... Um, Partially to take care of my grandmother, another part to go to, you know, school up here and stuff like that, having some more opportunities um, for art and music and coffee. And, and there's, it was just a all around better decision to be here. Um, but yeah, so 
worked in restaurants ever since, uh, ministry jobs as well too, but a lot of, you know, service industry, coffee, went to culinary school, um, you know, for restaurant management, hospitality management Mm. kind of thing. Um, And all of that led to kind of, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, um, you know, led to sitting across the table from an investor, saw a lot of value in what I was wanting to create and, you know, took the time to sit down and go through an investment option or the ability to invest and, um, yeah, led to like him seeing it as too high of a risk. Hmm. And I was like, all right, you know, thanks for your time. Right. I kind of left that meeting defeated a little bit Hmm. and then, um, talked with a friend in uh, San Diego who, uh, knew a lot of friend, like people who had done something similar to this and yeah. was like, Oh, you should consider this. So one thing led to another. And then I started this, this company just under a year ago. No so, kidding. All yeah. right. So yeah. I got a, a whole lot of questions I want to ask you when we come back, because coming back from that kind of defeating conversation uh, is something that I imagine a lot of people are really curious about because we've all had conversations that left us sort of deflated. Like you went in thinking like this is going to happen and it went a totally different direction. And yet here you are now, almost a year after launching your own thing, which maybe wasn't what you were imagining three years ago. And I would love to kind of pick your brain a bit. How, how do you overcome that defeat? But also how do you, how do you listen to the voice of God amidst discouragement and defeat and mm-hmm. what it's like? And, and I, I want to know a little bit more about your heart for hospitality and serving people. Cause I just think that is, that is so central to who you are. So if you're just joining us, you've been hearing Austin Massey, the co-owner of Viator Coffee Cart. And we're going to learn a whole lot more about that business, but also some of his story and background and what led him to that here today. That's going to go coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the job, the job, and it loves me. <laughs> All right. So that's our coffee producer, John. Having just a little fun with us. That actually, that could be Austin Massey singing right there. That You could pull that off, couldn't you? Probably. This song, gosh, I wish we brought a guitar in the studio. <laughs> what a missed up. Well, I guess you just have to come back. That other sweet, sultry voice you're hearing is Austin Massey, co-owner of Viator Coffee Cart. Also just, I think, an incredible human being. And before the break, you were talking a little bit about some of this journey of, you know, at 15, getting your first kind of big boy job, and then 19, getting this this vision really for like hospitality and caring for people. And then, you know, there's this, this long gap of, I know you doing a whole bunch of things. Mm -hmm. And then you would, you would share just a little bit about this conversation with the potential investor. Mm -hmm. And I remember us, I think we, we might've even still been meeting during this time where I was just about to move and, and really you talking about like, man, this is it. This, Mm -hmm. this meeting with this investor, this is the next Mm -hmm. leg of my journey. And, you were talking about just yeah. how excited you and your wife were. Yeah. And then you ended the last segment just talking about, and that conversation did not go well. Would, mm-hmm. would you talk to me a little bit more about that and and what it was like following a conversation that did not go the way that you'd hoped that it would? Totally. Yeah. I mean, so like I said before the break, you know, I went to culinary school. I was really honing this whole uh, vision of, you know, the shop and what we were wanting to create with this space and, um, uh, creating this culture of art and love for coffee and people and ministry and all of these different things. Yeah. And, um, you know, just time didn't, didn't play well. And then out of, out of nowhere, you know, all of these like different things started kind of falling into place, you mm. know, 
random people coming into my life after years of not really seeing them and mm. like, oh yeah, I want to like start this coffee uh, community kind of thing or like, mm. um, you know, running into just meeting different building owners and all this stuff. And I was like, this is so serendipitous, like yeah, right. strange, you know? <laughs> and uh, I remember talking with you like years ago, like, this is like a really cool opportunity. It could lead to some really awesome things like yeah. uh, potentially opening this, uh, you know, shop in uh, East Dundee area of, of Illinois. And, you know, I was like, I think this might be it. You know, like I think, I feel like this is the Lord's timing. This is uh, felt right. You know, all of these uh, things that we kind of process life through those questions that we ask ourselves. And, um, you know, it, it was all kind of, spearheading up to this one moment of meeting with this um this investor mm. who another guy that we had you know come across in that that short time you know where i was like feeling like things were just falling into place so we sat down with um this gentleman um and you know he grilled me with questions You're like let me see your your business plan and let me right. run all of these uh these numbers and you know just how are you going to make it work all of this stuff and um that was like multiple times that we sat down and met with this guy. Mm. Um, and then after everything, you know, we made all these changes that he wanted to see in our business plan. And then our last meeting, it was like, you know, I, I love what you're wanting to do. I think you have so much potential. I think it's not, you know, maybe just right for me. It's too high of a risk for oh, me man. to, um, to really do this. And, uh, you know, we didn't own a house at the time. We, um, didn't really have much uh, investment capital of our own, all of these different things. Right. And he, you know, I, I understand where he's coming from, totally. you know, but um, definitely left, like I said, left that meeting pretty deflated, uh, defeated, and uh, just really discouraged and not really knowing, you know, what to do next. Cause we were kind of right. banking on that, you know, that was the, the catalyst that was going to break this thing open wide. Right. And uh, we were going to, you know, see these dreams come to life, you know? So yeah, it was, it was a, a crazy, crazy time for sure. So wh what was it like in the days and the weeks and the months following this conversation going so drastically <laughs> different than you planned? Like I, I imagine, I mean, there's some obvious conclusions like, Oh, it's discouraging, but mm -hmm. it was more than just discouraging because it was for you. It wasn't just like, Oh, this could be a next fun thing to do. Mm -hmm. It felt like, Oh, this is the culmination. It, it like used the word serendipitous. All these pieces are falling together. And then he's like, Hey, you you got a lot going on, but no, yeah. no, no thing. Yeah. What what did you do following that? So, I mean, like one thing my wife and I were doing a lot, uh, you know, kind of leading up to that, you know, we would take um, at least one day a week and fast and pray mm. um, just, you know, Lord, is this your will? Is this your timing? And like all of these different things. And of course, like our emotions get, are a part of that. Um, you know, we, after that meeting with this investor, we're like, I feel like I don't even know what to pray right now. You know, I don't even know. Right. Like, you know, of course we want like the Lord's will for our lives and his timing and mm. all of that. And it was, it was really hard to see, you know, those things coming out of anywhere, you know? So right. it was like, right. I don't know. I don't even know what to do now. Yeah. I'm just going to try and figure something else out. Um, you know, I, I ended up taking a job doing something that, I really did not want to do. I mm. didn't have any experience. Um, I took a job, you know, doing sales um, in insurance. And uh, like I, 
some people are like born for sales. I feel like, you know, right, they can sell right. the, the <laughs> classic example, you know, ketchup popsicle to the lady in the white dress, you know, it's like, right, right. any, some people are just born for that. Yes. I am not, you know, like yeah. I am not pushy enough. I'm not <laughs> like, just, I don't know. I just not in my, my makeup to be like that, but you know, I did it, you know, and I worked there for two years and it was an amazing learning experience, you know, mm. uh, just learning that side of business and uh, just thinking critically in those, those conversations and just learned a lot about myself, a, about business, about sales, about insurance. Right. Um, you know, all these things that are very key for yes. you know, su- uh, successful life and, and business and all these <laughs> right, things. So right. it's crazy. So, okay. So what I'm curious then is you have, you have this job mm-hmm. now for two years, so it's like steady, it's mm-hmm. stable, yeah, it's predictable, yeah. Uh, you're hardworking, so I imagine even though you're saying it's not in my makeup, uh, I imagine you're doing pretty well there, yeah. And then this dream of this coffee cart maybe like starts to crop up again, mm-hmm. and now you're you may be faced with the choice between two good things. It's not like the choice between something awful and illegal and something righteous you know we often like speak of god's will like oh one's clearly awful and one's clearly good choose the good one you're Mm -hmm. you're you're not faced with this opportunity to choose one of two good things how do you how did you walk through that what encouragement maybe would you give to someone else who's feeling like they're at a similar crossroads in their life Mm -hmm. Uh, how do you how did you discern how to how which direction to go yeah absolutely so one thing i wanted to say i mean even in a a a job or uh, a work environment that you know, isn't necessarily uh, the most fun or most rewarding or fulfilling. I feel like, you know, Colossians talks about working as if unto the glory of the Lord and like, he'll bless you for that. You know, so I, somehow I was like one Mm. of the top um, people in my, in my role. I was one of the top people in the state. I was like the third in the state at one point. And it was just like, I'm working hard because I love the Lord and I want to, you know, do this well and do anything well, I love that. um, you know, as if unto his glory. So, um, yeah, like, like you were just asking, you know, I sat down, I was having, um, we didn't actually talk about this. So I was like, uh, playing a board game with some friends hmm. at a friend's house and, uh, we were there, um, late playing this game and a friend of mine was like, yo, I got this business idea. Um, he's originally <laughs> from Seattle he was like, you know, in Seattle, everyone does these like drive through espresso, uh, like pop-ups, mm. you know, like just whip around, make a drink. And then, you know, they're on, on their way to work. Yeah. Um, and I was like, look, I got you one better. Let's do this, this cart <laughs> idea. We can do events and all that kind of stuff. We started dreaming that up there and, uh, yeah, I, so with that, you know, we started, um, started everything there. It got to the point where, you know, we're, we're doing events fairly regularly. I'm still working at, uh, this insurance place. Oh, and, gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, it was, it was a really tough call cause it's like, I have a wife and a new daughter and, um, we just bought a house and all of these things. And like, am I willing to risk the comfort of knowing where mm. my paychecks are coming from and, I can bank on how much I'm making and you know, it's, it's comfortable. It's not fulfilling or rewarding by any means, but I can, I can, uh, account, I can count on it. Yeah. That money coming in, um, consistently. 
um, which is a good thing, you know, taking care of your family, your first ministry, your first responsibility, you know, taking care of um, those that can't take care of, their, of themselves, right. you know, your family. Right. And, uh, you know, I started praying about it a lot, fasting about it. Um, and uh, I don't know, how are we on time? I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> That's sorry. okay. No, we'll, we'll pick it up after the break then, because I'd love to know where where you actually kind of came to this fork in the road and what the actual, like, raw guts of making that decision actually landed and how that felt. So we're going to continue the story with Austin Massey, uh, co-owner of Viator Coffee Cart, uh, coming up after the break here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good, the show that grooves. If someone was watching us, they would know that I'm being legitimate. But over the radio, there's no way to verify that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, normally... Brian Fromm would be here, but he's out doing something probably illegal. But uh, you can find us on the Facebook, on the Facebook, on the, at the Common Good Radio Show on Facebook. You're also, love your age, the uh, Facebook. I yeah. the Facebooks. So that's how Brian used to talk about the Facebook for the first two months of this show. Find us at the Facebook. Face space. <laughs> yeah, go to the Googles. Where do I pick up a Googles? <laughs> Anywho, you can also go to 1160hope.com slash the common good or wherever it is you get your podcast. Uh, but I am so thrilled and excited to have my friend Austin Massey, co-owner of Viator Coffee Cart, right here in the studio. I highly encourage you to learn more at viatorcoffeecart.com. That's V-I-A-T-O-R. Available for parties, bar mitzvahs, Quinceañeras, other such yep. gathering, any, any things. gathering, yep. any of the things. Yep. <laughs> Morning coffee, Which, you know, we'll be there. By the way, you were generous enough to bring some coffee for uh, John and I, and it is fantastic. Mm. I know not everyone cares about good coffee, maybe as much as we do. It's really, really good coffee, y'all. And, and if you're just joining us, we've been talking about some of the story leading up to this point because Austin has had this dream for a long time and it's kind of ebbed and flowed. You were um, in a band for a while. Can we talk mm -hmm. about that for just a hot second? Sure. Uh, what was the band called? So I played in a band with my wife, actually. Uh -huh. It's called Flocks and the Lookout. And they, they're they not only so good, I think my wife wanted one of your songs like for her first dance mm. with her dad at, the, at our wedding. Like, you guys, is your stuff still online? Can people yeah. still find it? Yep. It's so... Yep. Good. Flocks and Lookout. Flocks and Lookout dot com. Maybe. Is uh, that... Maybe. Just <laughs> just <laughs> type it into the Googles. Yeah, and, the Googles. Uh, and see what shows It'll up. It'll come up. So you're the, you're this kind of guy that you have this like culinary background, and you also have this like worship pastor heart. But you also mm -hmm. not every worship pastor is a very good songwriter. You're really good at both. Your mm -hmm. wife is also tremendously talented. But you guys, she's so pretty you, great. You, really, you you got the two of you are like two of our favorite people on, on mm -hmm. planet Earth. But you now we're doing this insurance job. And it wasn't a job that you like really cared about, but you're like, oh, if I work hard, I'm actually pretty good at that. And then you kind of came to this impasse, kind of, right? She had this mm -hmm. steady, stable job, and then this dream of this coffee cart. I would love to know, because I know this is a question as a pastor I get all the time. Like, how do I know when it's the right time to take a risk? Or how do I know God's will for my life? What, like, just walk us through a little bit what what that like internal like prayer struggle was like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I'd love to hear, you know, any thoughts you have on this too. But I mean, for me, it was kind of came to um, the point where it's like, you know, I, I can take this uh, business that I, you know, this dream that I started and, you know, it's, it's starting to grow. I can take it um, and put 110% of my energy and my focus on that. Right. And if the Lord chooses to bless it, right on, let's do that. Um, 
or I can stay in this super comfortable uh, position selling insurance, um, knowing where my paychecks are coming from, my family's uh, safe, taken care of, all of these things, um, and really started wrestling with, you know, what decision is going to, like if if I had to ask the Lord, you know, mm. would he want me to take make the decision that requires the least amount of faith or the the most faith, you yeah, know? that's good. Um, so I think that's your first answer right there is like, which, which decision is going to require the most faith out mm. of me? Which one is going to give God the most glory, yeah. um, in, in this thing, um, really coming, coming together. Um, you know, are you allowing yourself to partner with the Lord in, in that situation mm. or are you, um, kind of leaning too much into your own fear of, you know, the outcome or the loss, uh, income or, or whatever it may be. So, I mean, there's, a couple things that I had to really wrestle with and, and think through and pray through um, with, with my wife and with the Lord and just kind of mm. deal with those questions and um, definitely felt like, you know, this is going to require the most faith. This is going to give God the most glory. Wow. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for him, you know, to partner with the Lord and to give me a testimony out of it. You know, mm. um, when we choose decisions that are easy and comfortable, we kind of almost rob God of, of mm. an opportunity to come through. Yeah. Um, he is, he wants to, uh, interact and, and come through in so many ways in our lives. Totally. And I feel like when we are like, I'm going to kind of rule God out in this situation, right. You know, he's like, I wanted to come through. I wanted to, mm. you know, provide for you. Um, but you know, you chose the, the safe way out. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. So. That'll preach, man. I'm curious if you got any pushback when you're making this decision to leave the safe, stable thing to venture into what maybe some people are like, dude, are you sure? Like, I yeah. don't like, did you get any, were there any like tales of caution from friends or family? Um, n- yes and no. I really? mean, not, not a whole lot. I mean, I, I definitely, I didn't just like one day wake up and like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to, yeah, right? I love coffee. I'm going to quit my job. You know, it's like, I, I definitely, um, you know, gave it a lot of time and prayer and thought. And I, you know, um, the, the word talks a lot about like wise counsel and yeah. getting that. And, you know, I had all of my pastors, I sat down with all of them or, or got on the phone with them and like, Hey, what do you guys think about this? Wow. You know, um, is this, is this a dumb thing to do? Right. But you know, I want to be, I want to trust the Lord. I want to walk in faith. Um, and yeah, so I, I, they gave me some counsel and and wisdom in that, but it was all like, you know, I, we trust you and so props to your pastors too, for one, making the time and two saying, yeah, lean into the riskier thing. Cause I feel like sometimes like Brian and I talk about this in the show all the time that sometimes, um, uh, like what we what we deem as wise is really just well masked cowardice, and mm. we call it discerning. You're like, mm. but in our heart of hearts, we know like mm, I am just too scared, or I don't know that I really want to trust God with that one, mm. right? So if you're like living it, yeah. And I'm curious, like what what have you learned now, almost a year out from doing this, about your own heart, your own faith journey? Have there been things that have sort of like been revealed to you or exposed in you like, Oh wow. I didn't know that part of my harder life until I stepped out and did this. So, I mean, as anyone may uh, assume, I mean, definitely a lot of elements of like distrust Mm. in the Lord. You know, I, you know, I may be leading worship on a Sunday morning and, 
you know, singing like, for we trust in our God and through his unfailing love, yeah. we will not be shaken, but I'm shaking. Yes. Right. Know? Right. My, my faith is tested. I, mm. I'm clearly not trusting the Lord because I'm still, you know, am I actually walking out in faith? Like, right. God, I, I believe that you are who you say you are. Yep. You know, you are able to provide in these situations and all of these, you know, big questions, big right. fears, you know? So, um, that was a big one, you know, yeah, that no was kidding. kind of the ultimate, the straw that broke the camel's back for me, you know, of like, wow, I'm definitely not trusting the Lord as much as I say I, I do. Um, and I need to make a change, you know, I need to, yeah. I repent, you know, I confess that Lord. Um, and now I need to, I need to turn and I need to, I need to fix that in my life. Dude, so this is, this is one of the many reasons I love you. I love that you, not only have the wherewithal to admit that, but like press into it rather than retreat from it mm. the way that I think so many of us do. And uh, I'm grateful he's going to stick with us for one more segment. And uh, we're talking about his Viator coffee cart. He's co-owner, but also just a man with a lot of talents, a lot of wisdom, a lot of uh, experience. And hopefully you're listening, being encouraged as well. Maybe you're at a crossroads and you're being tempted to uh, make the decision that requires less faith. Maybe, maybe this is a conversation that's inspiring you to, to make the harder, more beautiful choice. And I'd love to, to know in this last segment coming up, just where where you see the future of this business and what you kind of hope for mm-hmm. you and your family and your ministry and all that. We're going to talk about that coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. I don't I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> The, it's mutiny. Was not it's, expecting it's that. It's just Armageddon <laughs> in the studio today. John has chosen the rejoin music without our foreknowledge or even just regular knowledge. Did not know that was coming, <laughs> which always throws me for a little bit of a loop. Whenever he does that, we have that kind of rhythm of like, hey, welcome back to the show. There's Facebook. There's the website. And then he does that. And I'm like, how, how do I speak words again? <laughs> That's sort of how I feel right now. But I think we're going to recover that uh, that agreeable hmm that you hear on the other side of the studio is my good friend Austin Massey, the co-owner of Viator Coffee Cart. You can learn more. I encourage you to learn more at ViatorCoffeeCart.com. That's V-I-A-T-O-R. They're right here in Chicago land. They do all sorts of events and parties and gatherings. If you care about good coffee and hospitality and stories and sharing, uh, you guys got to look them up. And one of the things, Austin, that I really appreciate about you is that um, your brain seems to work in so many different capacities. It's actually a little frustrating how many things you're good at, if I could just be honest. Like, like you have the voice of an angel, um, but you also are just, I think, a really good musician. But not every good singer or musician also makes for a good worship pastor. Mm. I think you're really gifted at that as well. And you, you guest lead sometimes, right? Yeah. Is that a thing yeah. you still do? Yeah, definitely. If someone was listening and they're like, oh, I could really use a guest worship pastor, how, how would they get a hold of you? Um, I would probably just shoot me an email. Okay. Um, and what's that? Uh, it's Austin underscore Massey one, two, two. Oh gosh. At <laughs> Yahoo.com. Okay. We're going to put that on the Facebook. How do you spell Massey? M A S S E Y. Okay. So one more time, that email address for people scrambling to get their pen. Yep. Austin, A U S T I N underscore Massey, M A S S E Y one, two, two at yahoo.com. Okay. I cannot encourage you enough. Y'all, if you need a worship leader, uh, for an event or for your church, uh, hit this guy up or he and his wife will maybe both come. That's a real treat, man. Oh man. Mm. Anywho, but what you're doing now though, and you're kind of like, it's been cool because since I moved to Naperville, we haven't been able to see each other physically nearly as much, but I, I do stalk you a bit digitally and just seeing, you in this coffee element has been so 
refreshing and so encouraging just because one, I know it's near and dear to your heart Two, I know you've been talking about it for a while. And three, it's so easy to do the safer thing. It's mm-hmm. so, right. You know, it just really is. So I feel like there's probably a whole lot of elements that I'm not seeing. Maybe the fear and panic of like, Oh, what have we done? Why are we, <laughs> why are we doing this? But I, I would love to know, maybe bring us up to, to current day, what that's all been like, and then in the final couple of minutes, like what, what's your hope for this? What's your vision for totally. the months and years down the road? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as we were saying before the break, you know, taking that step of faith um, and the Lord blessing that. Um, so I feel like ever since, so I, I officially quit that insurance job that I was working um, in, I want to say May. Okay. So just a couple months ago. Wow. But, you know, since then the Lord has just poured out so much like favor, um, like even to the point of like someone at my church, I'm still to this day, no clue who it was. Just like there was like a, an envelope with a thousand bucks in it. No you know? way. Or then someone else wanting to be like, oh man, I, I love what you're doing. Like I've been really encouraged to take similar steps of faith in my own life. I want to, you know, bless you guys. Here's 1200 bucks. What? Yep. And then, I mean, unsolicited. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And I mean, other, other just random blessings, you know, like got a random check from our CD distribution website that we use for all of our flocks on the lookout stuff for like 800 bucks, you know, just like random stuff. That's like coming out of nowhere. Like, wow. Where is this coming from? But yeah. it's, it's from the Lord. It's wow. from, um, yeah. So I feel like when you, when you take those steps of faith, the Lord wants to, uh, to partner with that, yeah. with you in that, and uh, be that provider that he is. So that's amazing. Giving him that opportunity to do so. Um, yeah, I mean, so just every step of the way, it's been so uh, been so encouraged um, by friends, family, and the Lord, just like providing time and time again. Yeah, um, there hasn't been a single moment where we're like, oh shoot, you know, I can't pay my mortgage, or <laughs> right. I can't pay this bill, or whatever it is. Like every wow. single time the Lord comes through. So that's, that's an encouragement for anybody listening that may be faced with like, what about the bills? What about all of this stuff? Yes, like right. the Lord wants to partner with you in that. Um, and going forward, you know, like we've, our, our hope is to, you know, get to the point where we have, so right now we have one mobile, like it's pretty much like a, a countertop built in with like plumbing and, um, electrical and all of the uh, drainage systems that you would need for a coffee shop. Oh, you know? really? Yeah. So has a little sink, has everything. Um, but you know, the goal is to get you know two, three, four, five of those things going, and just really um, tackling all of the events that go on around Chicagoland, and then eventually still working towards that that brick and mortar store. Okay. Um, and, you know, keeping the the mobile event-based aspect of the business as a strong pillar for sure. Um, but yeah, so we're already to the point. So like I said, just quit my full-time job in May. Wow. But we're already to the place where we need to um, build a second cart. You know, we're oh, already really? there. Wow. Like just the, the amount of events and stuff like that that's coming in. It's like, I, it's hard to keep up because that's amazing. Yeah. So we have right now, we do have one kind of like, um, a little more stationary, uh, set up at, um, 
a local library actually in okay. Elgin. Nice. Uh, it's probably it's one of the biggest libraries in the state. Um, it's called it's Gail Borden. Gail Borden. Yeah. yeah, they get like two thousand people a day. So Do they really? Yeah, That's we're just bonkers. like just really crushing it there, and then doing events on top of that. And you know, we're already at the place where we need to like, all right, we need to consider getting another mobile setup. You know, just to really. Wow. Make sure that we're not killing ourselves, like yeah, setting no up, tearing down, setting up, tearing down. What you a know? good so, problem to have, though, yeah, man. Absolutely. Well, I'm curious. Are there like any stories that come to mind? I think one of the when you when you hear about you know people starting new businesses or taking these big risks or or maybe even just in your own heart, like because I know that you you have this like pastoral bent through and through. So even if it's mm-hmm. not some kind of story from some event where you know something stands out to you, I would just love to know in the last couple of minutes we have like what has God been doing in your heart amidst. All of this, because you know, you you got married a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there, mm-hmm. and uh, helped. yeah, I did help. I yeah. played, I played a part in it. I didn't yeah. wash feet. You guys, <laughs> you guys took care of that on your own. It, it was to this day one of my all time favorite weddings, by the way, because you guys began, I think, with the Sigur song, right? Mm-hmm. And kids with like woodland masks came out of the. Yeah. It was a, it was so beautiful yeah. and so <laughs> strange and so lovely. Yeah. But so since all of that, and then you had a, then you have a kid, then you leave the stable job and you're launching this new thing that's clearly going really well. Just would you, I don't know what I'm asking, pastorally, just give us some hope, give us some insight, give us some encouragement for, you know, someone that's maybe, maybe in a place in their life where they're like, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I, how do I put one foot in front of the next? How do I actually, how do I actually listen to his voice? And like, what, what, what are some ways that you can maybe just encourage the people listening? So first thing I would, I would ask myself, you know, does this next step does this next uh, chapter or venture um, really align with uh, the mission or the vision that the Lord has placed on my life? Um, the Lord or the Jewish people had uh, statements called uh, a mezuzah statement. Right. It was, uh, you know, just aligning the, their own lives to every step that they took, every decision they made. It did it fall in line with this, with this statement. And if not, you know, they would maybe choose mm. something else or mm. so, um, yeah, I think clarifying your your vision, clarifying your your mission for your life, and making sure that it, it aligns with what you know the Lord is calling you to do, calling like you in ministry. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then also asking yourself like, which decision do I stay in this position or or take this next step? Does it give God more glory, one or the other? You know, kind of going back to what we were just talking about. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. That's solid gold, man. I'm so grateful for you, for your heart, for your family. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. If you are just now joining us, can't encourage you enough to go back and listen to the podcast. This has been my very talented good buddy, Austin Massey, co-owner of Viator Coffee Cart. You can learn more at ViatorCoffeeCart.com. That's V-I-A-T-O-R CoffeeCart.com. Austin, thank you so much for joining us today, brother. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. This has been The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, and lo and behold, Brian Fromm is gone again. I don't know how many vacation days that guy gets, but I want, I want his vacation plan. Anyway, 
Uh, he's out gallivanting doing something, but you can still find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. Uh, also, wherever it is you get podcasts, and somehow magically, if you like and subscribe and review, uh, that actually really helps us out. But in the studio, in the flesh, two very special guests, and I think maybe a first for the show, it is a mother-son duo. That's right. It's Shannon and Luke Wentz, not only good friends of mine, but also people, I think, with an incredible capacity to listen to God's voice, doing some really, really incredible things in the world. So first and foremost, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I well, Okay, so one of the things that I love asking guests, rather than like me giving a long, boring bio about you, I'm going to ask each of you, how would you introduce yourself to a radio audience? So we'll start with you and just say, if left to your own devices, you're introducing yourself to someone who's never met you, what, what would you say? Gosh, that is <laughs> a little bit... Of a loaded question to me. I wonder why that feels difficult. Um, Mm. I currently live in the suburbs of Chicago. Okay. I am married. I have three teenagers in my house right now. We'll pray for you. Thank you. (laughs) I also currently work for an organization called World Relief Mm -hmm. and um, absolutely love the work that I am a part of there. And the people that I've gotten to meet there um, and have, yeah, um, just a lot of of experiences that I think have really opened me up to mm. try to figure out how to um, make sense of my faith in this world. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a great intro, by the way. And I want to ask you all sorts of questions about that. First, though, Luke, why, how would you introduce yourself to the world? So I am a going to be a senior in high school. Right I, yes, I run cross country and track. So I'm a crazy person. I run for fun, <laughs> you know, and, and you're very good at it. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I love to run. I have a great cross country and track team. I love all the guys there. I'm really involved in my church. I help every Wednesday. I lead a, a group of eighth graders. I've been leading them since they were sixth graders. Awesome. Um, I just love, I've always grown up in the church I love helping other people. I think that's the main thing I love to do. I just love being involved in other people's lives, very relationship oriented. So, Well, and hopefully you're already getting a glimpse, everybody, about why I love the Wentz family so much. And I think by the end of this hour, it'll become even more clear to you. But Shannon, I want to ask a little bit more about World Relief because um, I didn't know anything about World Relief until I moved to Chicagoland. In fact, my wife... Uh, actually worked there for for a season before having you know a bunch of babies and stuff, and that's been kind of hard to juggle. But I would love to know one: how did you get involved in the first place, and like what is it about World Relief that just sort of makes your heart beat fast? Sure, I might be able to relate. I don't know that I knew what World Relief was mm. either. Um, I kind of interestingly enough had watched a movie called The Good Lie with Reese Witherspoon. Oh yeah, right. So oddly like some media form like <laughs> that I was just at home watching right. this movie. Probably someone had recommended it hmm. to me. Um, when I finished watching that movie, I felt wrecked no for the story that they shared about um, refugees. Wow. And I immediately got online to see what was happening with refugees. And I think I had some maybe reference point for world relief being in the area. Mm. I was pretty involved with um, 
one of the groups at our church called Community 412. Yep. And Kirsten Strand was a big mentor in my life. And yep. um, I almost like it almost happened at the exact same time. I finished that movie, got online, looked up what opportunities might be available through volunteering at World Relief and got a text message from Kirsten that said, hey, I need to talk to you about an opportunity with World Relief that wait, wait, I think wait. you'd be a good fit for. This was all happening at the same... Almost simultaneously. No kidding. No kidding. Wow. And I was like, okay, I think, I, I think I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to go instead one. of filling out the application form, I'll go like yeah. this other way <laughs> with a direct like connection. You just don't like applications. Is that what it is? I is do that? not really like the paperwork. No um, I did fill out an application. Right. eventually. So yeah, that was probably my first introduction um, specifically to world relief. Okay. And through that, I started um, volunteering there. Okay. Our family volunteered for a summer oh, in no a kidding. summer program they had. Wow. And it was a shorter program. You could only spend, you spent like an hour with the families in this kind of like um, family centered uh, relational type experience. But I would leave after that short time every Friday and think, how can we develop more of a relationship with these people? Mm. This is not enough. This is not the environment that really gives us the opportunity to get to know these families. You were hungry for more. And so I asked, how can we get to know is it, is it appropriate to exchange contact information with mm. families? How do we get to know them? They said, well, you should consider being um, what they call at World Relief, a friendship partner, mm-hmm. where you get paired with a family who is new to the United States, yeah. who just got resettled here. And you kind of walk through them their first few months living wow. here. So then we did that as a family because wow. that was the way to build that relationship. Yeah, uh, And I continued to volunteer and like, Lots of other people's stories I've heard. You start volunteering somewhere and then an opportunity might turn up for it to become more. And now I work there. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you, Luke, what it was like taking this on as a family, as someone who grew up in a family that often did things as a family. Uh, my memory of how well received that was by us yeah. or not. I'm curious, just what was that like as you're like venturing into this new territory, but you're doing it together as a family? What was that experience like for you? Yeah. So for me, when I remember when we first started helping out at World Relief, and yeah. for me, I didn't even think anything of it. Mm. It was kind of, it wasn't even, didn't even feel like a new experience for me because we've always been a family that's extremely involved, okay. helping other people, no matter what it is. That's just it's like just, in your DNA, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think it was really awesome that I kind of, I kind of recognize it more now that it was more like second nature to me, just naturally go and be helping these other people. I didn't even really think of anything of it. It was mm. so relationship oriented. And I was a little bit younger yeah. when I first started doing that. So I, I was just kind of like, oh, we're going to this church to help these people. And <laughs> I was mostly just like hanging out with the, the younger kids and doing crafts and stuff. So I didn't even really think too much of it. I was just kind of being a part of their lives, which I think has been really helpful for me. And in, instead of focusing on stuff like, for helping other people as tasks. Hmm. It's more about the relationships and being with them, which I think is so important and helpful for just having in my life, especially at being in high school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All that. Well, that was something that my family too, like we grew up doing something called meals on wheels. And so, you know, in, in downtown Detroit, that was just a regular part of our rhythms and not even really realizing, you know, cause they've been doing it since I was like eight. And so it was like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to go do this thing. And then by the time I was like 13 or 14, I was like, oh, my parents are being very strategic in this. And exactly what you said, mm-hmm. this isn't just some task. This isn't like a thing. 
that we check off. It's like, this is how we build relationships with people. And I've always been so grateful, not only for my parents, it's probably in some ways why I'm so drawn to your family. Cause you guys seem to get that the let's not just do a thing. Let's embody it together as a family. And yeah. I think I imagine a lot of our listeners are probably wondering, how do you actually do that? How do I take this next step in helping kind of raise my kids in a way that sees the world the way that you do? So in the next three segments together, we got you for the whole hour. We're going to talk a little bit more about world relief. We're going to talk about how do you, how do you hear the voice of God? How do you, how do you lead well in a culture that seems to be going crazy? And really, whatever else comes up, I'm excited to go there with you guys. That's Shannon and Luke Wentz right here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with, oh, no, wait a minute. He's not here. Who knows where he is? Brian Fromm is gone somewhere. I heard he's in Alaska. Is that right, John? No? You, well, okay. Let's just make and up a different he, story each time. Yeah, well, it's it's it's. He said he had things to do. That's like, true. Always air quoting. He had. Yeah. I think what he said is he had things to take care of, which feels very mafia. But we won't. We, are we won't Chicago. go there. That's yeah. touche. Yeah. But if you want to find us, we're on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show or eleven sixty hope dot com slash the Common Good. Uh, you can also find us wherever it is podcast. But I am so excited to have Shannon and Luke Wentz, our first ever mother son duo, here on the Common Good, and we're talking a little bit about. Your background, what makes your heart beat? Uh, we talked about world relief a bit, and I'd love to kind of, I'd love to talk a, a little bit more about that because um, selfishly, my wife worked at World Relief for a little while, and even just the the short while she was there, the stories that she would tell were sometimes really inspiring, but sometimes really heartbreaking. And the types of conversations that we had often sounded something like, "I didn't even know this was going on. Or, I didn't even know this was a need." So I'd love to know just a little bit more about. Like for anyone listening, it's like, I've never heard of World Relief. I, I don't even know what, what it is you guys really do. I don't know what the need is. Would you just speak to that a little bit? Like the just the heart and guts of what World Relief is all about and what it's meant to you? Sure. And I feel like I can relate on so many levels really? to that feeling of stepping into a world where I just had so much to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I learned about, um, maybe a little ashamed to say, countries I didn't really hmm. know where they were on a map right languages i didn't know existed because they were walking through the door of my classroom hmm. and i was probably through our friendship partner experience through meeting our clients teaching their children i think the there is a temptation to feel like the differences in the life experience we've had are so vastly different yeah. that it's going to be difficult to relate. And probably what hits me the most is being around people and realizing how much we have in common. That's right. How many things are universal to me? It just speaks to, I think the God in, in, in all of us yep. because we have that connection and those universal things of pain, joy, laughter, That's right. connection, humor, it is, um, yeah, it's been very life changing for me hmm. because my life has been changed knowing more about their stories and what they're going through. That's so awesome. Uh, Luke, you're getting kind of this crash course in learning about the world in a way that uh, honestly, a lot of high school students don't. In fact, it seems like more and more people, it's when they leave for college that they're like, their mind begins to 
really expand and you're learning about people from different cultures. What's it been like the last few years as a high school student? And like you clearly, I mean, I could just say this. I think you have a lot of leadership strength. I think you have a lot of capacity and wisdom kind of innate in you. But what's it been like through these like friendship partners and like watching your your parents live this out? How how has your heart and head grown through like interactions through this ministry? Yeah, so I would definitely say it's had a pretty big impact on me. But I remember also, this has always been something that's been a value to our family, but it has recently grown a lot in the yeah. last couple of years. Like I remember we've, I've been on a couple mission trips and okay. I went on my first one when I was 10 years old, which is, that's, it seems kind of young, but it was really yeah. good age for me to go out and hmm. experience that. I didn't really participate as much in the, um, activity like tasks they were doing sure. it was more like creating relationships with people hmm. which was important for me to understand kind of what we were just saying about their people it's not just another them it's right really or a statistic we're just, or a, we're, yeah, right we're the same and we're yeah. getting on their level has really been and then understanding also like in the past couple of years i've been on two more one this year and then last year i also got to go visit some friends in Guatemala, which we work with this program called Vision Trust. We get to go down and we get to really join the teachers who work at this school hmm. and we get to work, work partner with them and work with all these children and do like a vacation Bible school. We did a sports camp and just really grow on that level relationally with them. It's just been really cool for me as a high school student to have yeah. this broadened, huge perspective on life just with all the experiences I've had, understanding right. What like not taking things for granted, which mm. is so easy to do, especially in high school where you're just n- kind of narrow minded. School like certain the things that matter so much in high school just seem to not matter as much anymore. Mm. Just understanding that bigger perspective has been that's really good, really special. Okay, so it's it's not a surprise that I'm going to ask this next line of questions because you know immigration has been in the news so much, particularly in the last couple of years, and. You know, we've talked like a little bit offline about some of this, but I'm curious just in your own heart and head as you kind of are wrestling through stuff you're seeing in the news and reconciling your love for Jesus and your heart for social justice. Like where where are you at like right now today with everything that you see going on in the world? Yeah, I think maybe the first word that comes to my mind is just there's a heaviness. Yeah. Because when I even from the time I first engaged with the work that World Relief was doing, there has felt like there's been such a shift in maybe the way that um, immigration is talked about. Mm. And that has been definitely something that I hear other people who've been with the organization a lot longer, they feel it even more. Really? They feel like it has gone from an area that, a majority of people kind of had agreement around and support towards to something that's become very um, controversial. I don't know if that's the right word, Mm. but something that um, has definitely caused a lot more debate. And so it's been interesting to be with them over these last few years. I stepped into a job never knowing that I would end up in a lane that mm. became kind of what feels like one of the hottest topics in our country yeah, right now. Right, right. And to see the heart and advocacy work that is being done um, be 
misunderstood hmm. regularly is disheartening. Yeah. And it's also um, something that feels heavy because I think there's this burden that I feel like we can share in alleviating some of the burden yeah, that right. people carry. That's and right. that is what I feel like um, I can't get away from hmm. is feeling like we can help each other and we can help share a burden. And in this lane, that is kind of the work of World Relief. Right. And I really like currently they have um, kind of given out this um, call, this prayer that, that that's kind of become their mantra, maybe for lack of a better word, which mm. is just this phrase that says, Lord, please give us the courage not to look away. Oh, that's good. Do you feel like that has grown in you personally, that courage to not look away? Oh, absolutely. I've learned things I didn't even know I needed to learn. Mm. And I, I also feel a great amount of um, compassion or understanding for people who are not who don't have access to the information. Right. I feel just I feel fortunate to be alongside people who are experts in immigration who are giving us firsthand information yes. so that I can learn things. There's no way we can expect people to have access to accurate information if they're not in that kind of world. Right. And it kind of is in its own little bubble. Hmm. Sometimes I think intentionally the accurate information is not getting out there. Um, and I really have been, but it also grieves me because when you hear right. the accurate information and know that some of those things aren't being um, understood right. and you see the misunderstanding and you want to share yes, and right. you want to try to give definition to words that have been misrepresented right. or misdefined. Okay, so that's exactly why I wanted to have you on the show in the first place is to do exactly that, is to help maybe get better information into the hands and hearts of people that, like you're saying, if you're not in this world, if you're not in this very niche market, right, even if even having a wife that worked for a time at World Relief, I feel like my world was expanded. So coming up next, I want to ask you some of those specific questions. What are some of the things that you've learned for the person that's listening that has no idea where to even begin? How, how do we actually kind of get the right resources into people's hands? That's what we're going to talk about coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is out of here. Well, not. Okay, that makes it sound more permanent than anything. He's just currently not here right now, but you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, or 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. And in the studio, our first ever mother-son duo. Is there a better word than duo? Team? Mm, duo kind of sounds like... Like dynamic duo, yeah, right? Really, like yeah. Batman, Batman, Batman Robin. Robin. Just thinking, okay, which one's Batman, though? Who's Batman in this relationship? Hmm... I don't know, but Luke could talk for a long time about his <laughs> speculations of superhero. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, give us just a teaser. This is sort of off topic, but I... Who is everyone? Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. So it's I'm his like... favorite thing to do is to type people. <laughs> is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so you do this like with your friends and family, oh, like, oh, you're clearly Incredible Hulk and you're... Exactly. He yeah. makes with... notebooks about this kind no of stuff. No way. Yeah, I've got a whole <laughs> Google Doc about who everyone on my cross-country team is, about which Avenger they are. How do I get into this book? 
I just have a Google Doc and I just write stuff down about but it. But I want to know though. I want like I want to I want to know which character he'll, I would be. He'll think oh, about it. Think, I'll think yeah, about it. Think I'll about let you know. By the end of the by the end of the show, for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that. Then this I is now. I think I already have an idea, but I'm gonna think on. Oh goodness gracious! I'm so nervous now. This is the most nervous I've been all day. Is thinking about <laughs> which character he's gonna give me. Okay, so Shannon, you've been talking about uh, very humbly, by the way, which I really appreciate. So much of what you've been learning being a part of world relief. And I think one of the reasons that some people get really skittish about the conversation is they don't know who to trust or they don't, they don't know what resources is credible. And it seems it's actually a lot of a heartbeat for the show is when things get tough, we tend to like head further into our echo chambers. And instead we want to try to invite people to enter into messy, gray, complicated questions. That's kind of part of the common piece of the name. Even like you were mentioning when I spent time with these people, I realized how much we had in common. And I think that's true globally but we just get I don't know, we get caught in our fights and we get caught in our confirmation biases and i'm curious you had mentioned last segment a little bit about things in this particular universe that you didn't know or myths that were dispelled or statistics you didn't know anything about could you just touch on a few of those things that for someone listening that maybe maybe isn't even really interested in the immigration conversation that you imagine maybe people just don't know could you just share a couple of those things sure um Yeah, I think it's been super fascinating because before going through trainings and and learning things through World Relief, I probably could not have told you the difference between what is um, what an immigrant is, what is a refugee, what is an asylum seeker, Hmm. what do those mean, when are those legal, when are those illegal, when can we advocate in those lanes in a way that um, I really appreciate world relief holds tightly to Mm. wanting to approach these issues with both compassion and security Mm. because their mission is to stand with the most vulnerable. Yeah. They also want to do whatever they can to um, help protect the most vulnerable So they are also wanting things to be as secure as possible, because Mm. if you are helping people come from um, areas that are not safe, you would never want to bring them here and then have them not feel safe. Right. And so the advocacy work they do holds both of those in such um, a firm grasp at the same time. And so getting that information from them has been very helpful to see that there are legal ways that we can advocate for people during what is currently the greatest um, refugee crisis in our history. Is it really? There are more displaced people um, now than there ever has been. Wow. And we can sometimes look back on history and feel astonished that stories we hear about weren't acted upon in a more compassionate way by right. people who weren't in that suffering lane at that time. Yeah. And then it, to know it's currently happening um, again, refers back to that burden that I feel like we can share. Yeah. Right. To help alleviate that. Totally. And I can't ever help, but put myself in the shoes of I would want, what would I want if yeah. it was me in that situation? Yeah. No kidding. So we we only have a, f- a few minutes together, but is there like other websites that you would point people towards? Are there places people can go if they're listening to you saying, 
Okay, I, I actually didn't know the difference between those words or maybe, okay, the most displaced people ever. I, that's news to me. Where would you point people if they, if they were wanting to dig a little deeper and to kind of get their head around this? Well, I mean, you could definitely look at anything World Relief puts out there. Okay. Um, if you want, I'm not an immigration lawyer or expert, but there are many at World Relief. Hmm. Um, Matthew Sorens uh-huh. is our in-house expert, and he has written um, two books, and I hope it's okay for me to plug him. Yeah, please do. Please do. I'd love <laughs> um, to get him on the show sometime. But I'm sure he would be willing to come. Let's do it. Um, I'm speaking for him. <laughs> Well, I hope he would. It's not um, public record, so that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Welcoming the Stranger and um, Seeking Refuge are mm-hmm. two books that have been released, um, redone even recently to update because laws are constantly changing. Oh, right, right. And so to keep up with those things and keep them accurate. So follow Matthew Sorens on any social media you have. He has amazing information. He's constantly keeping up with things. And then I would also, you could even do something as simple as as Googling um, if you want to know about what is happening when it comes to, you might hear this phrase sometimes even in the realm of immigration reform. Right. You can Google what are bipartisan immigration reform efforts currently happening in Congress because they are happening. Okay. There um, was just a letter written yesterday, maybe, hmm. um, with a bipartisan group of, I think I saw 18 signatures on it. Wow. There is advocacy happening that we can find out about and support and um, World Relief does even a great job of posting um, specific ways to call and do some advocacy. But if you need to do some learning first, those two books I mentioned, 100%, and they are not complicated. They are books that someone like me who knew nothing about the difference between a refugee and an immigrant, hmm. you can read that book and you can get a definition that feels understandable, yeah, concise, and also um, inform you and empower you to feel like I'm getting accurate information here. Totally. That's very refreshing. Well, and Matt Sorens, too, is so sharp. We had a, a conversation with him at Community Christian Church two years ago. He just did another iteration of the conversation series, but it was a, a pre-recorded conversation between him and our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh, I want to get in this guy's brain because he only had 25 minutes, you know, in like a Sunday morning context. But um, I, I, yeah, I think he is an advocate, but also he is just a voice in a way that exactly what you were saying. Cause sometimes I think people veer away from this conversation cause they're like, it's probably going to be like astrophysics. I don't, it's too complicated. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't, what you're saying is no, start somewhere. And I think what I love about your story is you guys are just sort of putting one foot in front of the next. And I'd love to know Luke from you, like it's one thing to be involved in this kind of work as an adult, but I know there's a whole different level of pressure in high school to, you know, to look a certain way or act a certain way or like, how have you found like your school life or your social life and like this, this Christian life sort of mingle and where have you felt the clash and, and how are you, how are you kind of working that out? Yeah. So obviously being someone who's heavily involved in a church and, and organizations that were like, like world relief that we were just talking about, obviously that set, makes you a little bit different from everyone else sure. at a public high school. Sure. So definitely having learning to have the confidence to stand up for what I believe in. I mean, mm. you think people in the real world are uninformed. Imagine high school students who just whatever is they hear around their parents, that's like whatever they believe. So mm. <clears throat> uninformed people, I mean, high school students are like it's extremely difficult when I have this other world where I hear all this information that is like good and I know is correct. And having to stand up for it around people who wouldn't necessarily understand is huge. So, I mean, 
definitely learning to be confident in what I believe in and what I stand for hmm. over other things is definitely something that's really helped me out in this, especially being in high school. So. That's that's awesome, man. Well, you guys can stick around for one more segment. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what we've been talking about with World Relief, but I'm also curious. You're the mom of three teenagers. I am. And uh, <laughs> if you could see the look on her face when she said that. Just oh, boy. I, just... That's awesome. <laughs> wow. I know. Uh, we're going to talk about how much caffeine is consumed in that household and what that's like raising children uh, to think and act and look maybe differently than their culture, or their sphere of influence would have them look. And I'm really curious how you've kind of navigated what, you know, a lot of parents would say are really difficult waters. And uh, that's where we're going to wrap the show up here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. I'm feeling sad because that's the song by the band that Brian can never remember. And I'm not he's not here for me to ask, which do you guys know what band that is, by the way? Do you have any idea? Can't say. No? All right. Okay. It's, it's a band that I love yeah. called Modest Mouse, and every time <laughs> Brian completely forgets, and uh, I don't know why I take it so personally. Anywho, you can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show or 1160hope.com slash The Common Good or wherever it is you get your podcast, and we have in the studio first ever mother-son duo, Shannon and Luke Wentz. Us. We've been talking about all sorts of things, right? <laughs> Faith and immigration and world relief, and you guys, you guys are breaking new ground here at AM 1160. And I do need to remind you, Luke, you promised yeah. me a superhero. Not You're not giving me a superhero, right. but you're going to assign me one yeah. based on what you know about me. And I, I'm waiting with bated breath. Oh, yeah. I'm getting a really strong Star-Lord vibe from Ooh, you. Guardians of the Galaxy. Boy, Star-Lord. I could not be... Can you explain a little bit why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're right there. Star-Lord. I mean, just <laughs> totally... Just lighthearted jokes, joking oh. around, kind of that like joking vibe, which is, but then when it comes to like, you see it in Star Lord, like when it comes to his close people, yeah, he's like, he's stronger than ever. He's going to do whatever it takes to be a guardian of the galaxy. Dude, you you are, you're in the running for my favorite Wentz right now. Wow. That That I is about, it. I don't think I could pull off a leather jacket the way that he does. I don't think I'm a leather jacket kind of guy. No, but, but you got the fedora. Makes up for it. I, I was <laughs> the fedora. That sentence has never been uttered. Oh, your fedora makes up for the lack of the I leather jacket. I really appreciate the fedora <laughs> oh, and how you man. rock it. I love it. Yep. Love it's, it. It's secured. You're in the number one I spot. <laughs> there you, we go. Can you top that, Shannon? Nah, that's okay. You guys I, are all... <laughs> I do think, to say how highly he must think of you, Aww. who else do you say is Star-Lord? Oh, my father. is Kid, uh, Definitely. His spirit animal is Chris Pratt. You're going to make so. me cry. I'm getting, <laughs> now I'm getting all emotional. All right, we got to get your dad on the show sometime, too. Cause He's I, hilarious. I'd, I'd love to have him on. Okay, <laughs> so Shannon, we've been talking up until this point, a lot of like stats, data, websites. I'm curious, are there... Because when people listen to the show, you know, sometimes stats move certain people in certain ways, but more often than not, it's the stories. It's the... What's like the the flesh and blood things that you've experienced that you've seen yourself that is not Shannon read this off a website or Shannon read this in a book? It's like what 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 are the things that you've experienced at World Relief? Do you have a story that comes to mind? You're like, oh yeah, this, this was like a turning point for me, or this had a big impact on me? Did, did any stories come to mind? Sure. Yeah, I think that's what is unique, and I said before, like has been made such a difference in my understanding hmm. of this situation is that when we are interacting with our clients on a regular basis, we're seeing the real life implications of what sounds just like a stat right. or a policy change right. or a change in a law 
sounds sort of impersonal. Mm. And then we see how it intersects directly with the lives of people. So mm. I think something that is coming to mind, um, because I teach the the three, four and five year olds okay. um, in our in our program. And I had a, I had a student who was being dropped off by um, a great aunt. Okay. And I'm sure there's times you can tell when you look at certain people, you can see that they are carrying what feels like the weight of the world on their face, on their shoulders. And to be honest, I wasn't 100% sure if she was uh, a very sad woman, if she was an angry woman. Hmm. Um, And learning more about her story was one of those connection points for me where I'd heard a lot about through work, but also through media and news Mm. about um, a a travel ban that had banned certain people from other countries being allowed to even travel to our country. Right. And as a legal form of, of immigration, the refugee resettlement program is one of the legal lanes that people come to our country. Mm. And that travel ban impacted even refugee resettlement. If Mm. you were from these countries, you couldn't come. So she had arrived here then the travel ban went into effect, oh, wow. meaning her family was not allowed to join her. And and still hadn't. And still has not to this day. Wow. And the pain that she carried because of that circumstance impacting her life caused her daily to spend the majority of her class time weeping oh my because gosh. of the heartache she felt knowing her family was not able to, um, didn't have a way anymore. There was no way. A door had been shut. Wow. While we are trying to follow out our value of welcoming the stranger, while we're trying to stand with the most vulnerable and love her well, Mm. while there, of all the trauma she had already been through, Mm. to be in the situation she was in, to have a door closed, on the probably one of the things that makes you most successful yeah. when you are making a big change in your life is that support of your family. Yes. Right. And that community that you need. And so the emotion of knowing the changes that we make, the policies that come into play, the laws that change can have direct impacts on the lives of real people yes. that we see that we feel like we have so much in common with. Right. I could feel the pain because once I put myself in her shoes, because she was standing at my door every day and I held her hands and even without a common language to tell her, my, my heart is sad for you. Yes. Right. I am sad that you are having more pain in yeah. your life. Right helps me hold those two things again in my hands, Mm. compassion and security. Yeah, right. As vital needs that we need to advocate for. Yeah, no kidding. And so you had mentioned some of the policy changes that have happened, and I know that you're much more versed in all of this than me. Can you speak to some of the things that you've been reading, that you've been paying attention to, that you think are are helpful for us to know? Sure, and I do want to add just a small disclaimer. I am not an immigration expert or lawyer. And so this is also my best understanding of what's happening. But I did see um, the news that I have heard most recently and that we've been currently advocating for is that um, although over the last few years we have seen um, 
really drastic reductions in the number of refugees that we are resettling in our country. Yeah. Um, the latest information we have is that the, there is they are considering eliminating the refugee um, resettlement program altogether. So they would the number would just be zero. It would be zero. Okay. If that would would happen, um, there are there was actually just a bipartisan um, letter that was sent to the administration. Eighteen different co- Republicans, Democrats coming together mm. to share why they think this should not happen. And part of that is because we have had. Um, years of development around the resettlement process. Right. And those processes are still happening. People are still following all of the background checks, the biometric checks, the vetting process. It Mm. is the most secure way for Mm. anyone to travel into our country is through the resettlement process. And the, the number of people who are currently what they say, um, ready for, um, ready for departure. The Mm. people who've gone through all the background checks, all they're waiting for is we're ready to take you is 9,000 people. Wow. And there are 30,000 people who are already through all of their applications. That number alone would max out our current ceiling. Wow. So without even processing any new people or getting them in there. And because it is, it's an extremely lengthy process to get people through and so um, learning what is the accurate information and what implications it has on the real lives of people and how we can help, yes. I think, is, is important. And to know that there are bipartisan um, reform bills, there are bipartisan um, letters going out to mm. advocate for this, to inform yourself um, on what is happening outside of what is more misinformation or rhetoric or hyperbole is really important. Goodness gracious. It has been so good to have you guys here. Thank you so much for taking a whole hour to join us on the show. I have so many other questions, so I guess that means you're just going to have to come back. If that's okay. Gladly. <laughs> we'll take him down. I got 50%. We'll bring Star-Lord 50%. back. <laughs> what happens when Star-Lord meets Star-Lord? Oh, I like that. What a teaser. That's perfect. Well, if you're just joining us, that's been Shannon and Luke <laughs> Wentz, our first in the history of the show, mother-son duo. I've been talking about both our faith, but also immigration and how do we actually stand in the gaps? How do we uh, stand with the marginalized in the way that Jesus would and does? And uh, I've been so challenged, so encouraged. Thank you guys for the ways that you love others and the ways that you love the church. We are so grateful to have you on the show. This has been The Common Good right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.